All right, Revelation 22. Revelation 22. John the Beloved, he had seen much that was out of this world during Jesus' ministry, the miracles, the teaching, the character of Christ. But John had never seen anything quite like this in Revelation. You know, when Paul saw heaven, he said it would be a crime to try to put it into words. But John closes out this book, this vision from the Lord that reveals our forever home by reminding us that he was told to put it into words. Because the Lord wants us to know that it's really going to happen. The Lord wants us to invite all who are thirsty to come and to encourage all who have had their thirst quenched. He wants us to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so as we come to Revelation 22, verse 6, we're going to close it out this morning. This theme that Jesus, the King, is coming will be reminded once again. So Revelation 22, verse 6, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Here, as we begin to close out the book of Revelation, we're going to learn one of four truths. And the first truth we learn is that, well, the book of Revelation is true. The angel tells John that what he's been told is true. He said unto me, the angel who had taken John to the high mountain, who had been pointing out the things in New Jerusalem that John needed to see, he said, these things, the words that you've heard, all this vision of Revelation, these sayings, they are faithful, they are trustworthy, reliable, dependable, and they are true, they are real, they are genuine. Guys, being a Christian means that God's words matter more than anything we feel. It means that God's words matter more than anyone else's words. It means that God's words influence how we think and how we live. And so if God's words are not trustworthy, then Christianity is a sham. And so I ask you this morning before we even begin this journey of closing it out, do you believe what this angel says? Do you believe that your forever home exists? Do you believe that you're going to see God's face forever if you're his child? Do you believe that everything as we see it now, it's coming to an end? And do you believe that it's worth laying down your pursuit of something temporary to pursue something eternal? Because the answer to those questions determines whether you will work at your marriage, whether you will love your enemies, whether you will pour into your kids, or whether you will invest into your neighbors. The answer to those questions determines whether you will do what God says, even when it means saying no to yourself. It determines whether you will be transformed into Christ's image by the Holy Spirit, bit by bit, day by day, or you remain more of yourself. I do what I do. I we went through the book of Revelation because I do believe the angel's words. I believe everything God says is true, trustworthy, and reliable. I believe it's the only thing that actually makes sense in this crazy world. And if you're a Christian, you should too. Because the Lord gave us this book to solidify our faith and our hope. He says, and the Lord God of the holy prophets, he sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly or very quickly, suddenly come to be. 
This same God who, who sent those holy prophets to give us all the rest of Scripture, He sent this angel to reveal to John, to all of us, His plan for the future, the things that must very quickly come to happen. You know, God didn't say when they would happen. He just said that when things start happening, they will move very rapidly. And that's why the Scripture talks about how many will be caught off guard like a thief in the night. And so while the book of Revelation is true, (laughs) we must not let our guard down because Revelation is to be lived out. Revelation is true, but Revelation is to be lived out. Jesus says in verse 7 here, he interjects and says, behold, which means look, pay attention to what I'm saying. Why? Because he says, I come quickly. The word here means suddenly. You know, Jesus' return, it will not be progressive. It will be sudden. In Matthew 24, 27, it says, like, evening shines, uh, lightning, evening, I'm making up words now. Like, lightning shines, you know, in the evening from the, from the east to the west. I think I combined, like, three words into one. Like, lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It's whoosh, it's there, you know. And so, because he's coming quickly, we need to keep our guard up. Blessed is he that keeps, that obeys, is what that word keeps means, the sayings and the prophecy of this book. Prophecy, of course, is not just predicting the future. The word prophecy means to speak on God's behalf. And while there are many predictive elements of this prophecy from God, the book of Revelation, there are many truths that we've been learning since we started this book last August. There are many commands and many principles of how to live as a Christian that we have learned. And the book started with this exhortation. In Revelation 1.3, John said, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep, obey those things which are written therein. The angel, I mean, Jesus reminds us, blessed is the one who obeys the things in this vision. And so as we are now 14 months since we began the journey that started with that promise of blessing, are we applying these truths? Are we living out the principles that we have learned in the book of Revelation? Are we obeying those commands that were given to us in the book of Revelation? The Bible says we are blessed if we do. If we don't, we've wasted 14 months. Well, verse 8, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. John attests to their validity. And when I had heard and seen, this is in the past tense now, so John is likely back on the island of Patmos at this point. The vision is coming to a close. When I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am your fellow servant of your brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Again, this was an overwhelming experience for John. He did this once earlier in Revelation 19 verse 10, and the angel responded likewise. Get up, don't do that. Worship the Lord. You know, there are two categories of beings in the universe, God and everyone else. And if you're in the everyone else part, you don't, you don't, you're not able to jump over into the God part. There's one God and you're not Him. God and everyone else, creature and creator. And so while an angel is different from us, an angel still falls into the category of creature. Creature. 
Only a, the Creator is to be worshipped. And so he says, I'm just a fellow servant. I'm like you. I'm like all the, your brethren, you know, the prophets who came before you. I'm like those who are going to hear the words of this book and live them out. I'm just a servant. Just a servant. Even though I'm very different than you, John. Only the Creator is to be worshipped. Worship God. The word worship, it means to kneel, to bow down as an act of reverence or an act of allegiance. And this is one of the commands that are in Revelation that we'll be blessed if we obey. Do you regularly bend the knee in allegiance to God? Or does something created, a person or a thing, hold your allegiance, your reverence? Verse 10, the angel said unto him, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Much of what John saw and heard in the book of Revelation had to be explained to him. There's a couple times where the angel says, hey, you know what this is? And John goes, "Uh, no. It would be very tempting for him to go, I'm still processing this. And to seal it up, it means to hide or keep secret. But the angel says, don't do that. John would certainly be tempted to believe that it would be difficult for others to understand when they first heard it. They weren't actually seeing it. But the angel instructs him that this is an open book, not sealed. It's meant to be understood. It's meant to be lived out by all of God's servants. Because the time, he says, is at hand. The word at hand means near or close. And uh, I don't think I have to tell you that God's view of near and close is different than ours. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he, Peter deals with this concept that is hard for us to understand because you know, he says, scoffers say, you've been saying that the Lord's going to do this forever. And in 2 Peter 3, 8, Peter exhorts us, he says, but beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God, who is outside of time, it's different for him than it is for us. Our lives are but a vapor compared to eternity. He says, don't be ignorant of that. Don't be ignorant of this either. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, this is why we study Revelation. You know, we need this book because it's part of what's necessary for us to be fully equipped Christians. I know, I fully understand that when I announced the book of Revelation, some of y'all were like, yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait. My favorite part of the Bible. And then some of you are like, oh my goodness, the next year is going to be awful. I'm not going to understand anything or I'm going to, it's going to, you know, it's going to be so heady that it's not, I'm not, I'm not going to get anything out of it. I get it. We're all different. I'm, I'm in my devotion time right now in the book of Joshua, where he is dividing up the, the, the inheritance to all of the tribes. And it's all about cities and boundaries and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not exactly easy application material, but it's necessary. It's part of what makes us a complete man or woman of God.
And so the book of Revelation, he says, don't seal it up. It's meant to be understood. It's meant to be applied. It's meant to be taught. Teach it. Share it. And because Jesus' return will be so sudden, you know, it needs to be lived out. It needs to be something that people hear and respond to. Because when Jesus comes back, there won't be time for last-minute repentance. Verse 11, he that is unjust, it says, let him be unjust still. The phrase, he that is unjust, the one being unrighteous, the one who is presently unrighteous in that moment when Christ returns, let him be unjust still. The word still is an interesting word. It, it means an extension beyond the end point, all right? When we think of things, we think of them usually in terms of beginning and ending, you know? We're born, right, and we're going to die. You know, life works this way. You clock into work and you go home at some point, maybe. But we tend to think of things this way. The time where we have to choose how we will live, it has a starting point and it has an ending point. And the person who rejects Christ and trusts in their own righteousness will have that standing extended beyond that endpoint into all eternity. There are no second chances in the afterlife if you don't respond to the many, 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 many chances God gives you in this life. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. The word there, filthy, means the one living in moral filth. If that's how you're going to live your life, if that, that's how it's going to start and end, we all start that way. If that's how it's going to end, then that will be extended. That standing will be extended into all eternity, separated from God. In addition to that, he that is righteous, the one that, that's how they end their life. They're right with the Lord. Well, that will be extended as well, that righteous standing before God in all eternity. He that is holy, well, that will be extended as well. Two very distinct groups here. One group trusts in their own righteousness, the other in Christ's righteousness. One group lives in moral, moral filth, the other remains pure from those things. When we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. That's what this is referring to. We have said goodbye to that life. We've repented of our sins, and we are following Jesus. We have denied ourselves. We're taking up our cross. We're following Jesus. Two very different groups. These are two, therefore, very apt descriptions that show the difference between the lost and the saved. If you are a Christian, you should not be involved in moral filth. Your hope should be in Christ alone, not your own righteousness. And if that's not the case, whether you attend church regularly or you're just here today or you call yourself a Christian or you don't, either way, you need to repent because Jesus' return will occur too suddenly to make a last second change. Who you are when the Lord returns is who you will end up being for eternity. Now, revelation is true. Revelation is to be lived out. But Revelation number three also reminds us to live out the rest of God's word. It says in verse 12, and behold, Jesus again speaking, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. 
Blessed are they that do his commandments that may, they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loves and makes a lie. All dogs don't go to heaven, sorry. I'm just kidding. We'll explain that later. Jesus is coming as sudden. He says it again. Behold, I come quickly. Again, pay attention and act now. Don't wait. And when he comes, his reward, he says, is with him to give every man according as his work shall be. According as his work shall be means that which one normally does. What, what's the totality of your life? You know, I don't know about you. I'm, I, I mean, we're pretty strict, so my kids didn't do this with us, uh, but uh, very much at least. Uh, but sometimes kids ask their parents for a few more minutes when it's time to go. You ever had that experience? You know? Hey, get your stuff. It's time to go. Can I just have you know, five more minutes, Dad? You know, five more. We're finishing up this game. You know, my kids will do that sometimes. You know, they'll come and say, you know, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, I know I'm supposed to, you know, you know, get off from this, you know, and and, and got to be done, and and you know, and can I have a couple more minutes? Well, there will be none of that when Jesus returns. When the lightning shines, no one's going to look up and go, Ah, oh, Lord, I need like three more minutes. Three more minutes, three more minutes. I, I, I think that's how much time it takes to repent and get saved. Nope. The rapture, the Bible says, happens in the twinkling of an eye. The second coming happens as suddenly as lightning. Who you are and what you have done with your life at those points is how you will be rewarded. Now, that is obviously meant to challenge us to be faithful so that when Jesus returns to find us, he finds us doing his work but it is also meant as an encouragement. Because when Jesus comes back, you're not going to be given a ticket with a 17-digit number on it that tells you how many people are ahead of you to get your reward. Come see me in 34 years. He brings it with him because he is eager to bless us with it. He wants to give it to us. You know, we read in the book of Revelation, it says we're going to cast our crowns down before him, but we know from the reading of the rest of Scripture that the crowns are our reward, right? You know, Paul says, hence therefore is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, right? Not for me only, but for all those who love his appearing. There's all these crowns the Scripture talks about, the rewards that we're going to receive from the Lord. We read about it all throughout Scripture. And we already see in Revelation, you know, we're throwing them down because they, well, Lord, we're not worthy of these. You're worthy of these things. And he goes and he puts, we keep throwing them down. So he thinks he has to keep giving them back to us. But I want to give them to you. But you're the one who's worthy of them. Yeah, but I want to give them to you. He loves to bless us. He longs to bless us. He made us for that. And so he brings it with him. There's no weight. So what is your normal life like? Is Jesus at the center? Are you doing his work? He's the whole point of studying prophecy because he's the worthy one. The angel told John, he said, worship God for the testament of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Like everything we're doing is to get you to worship God more. Don't bow down to me. He's worthy because there's no one like him. Verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the origin and the outcome. Everything starts and ends with him. He's the one who said, let there be light, and he's the one at the end who says, come. 
Come, come to the light. But it's unapproachable, Lord, I know. But I'll make you so you can approach. I'll give you my righteousness. These are statements of omnipotence, of eternity. And again, it reminds us that Jesus is in a group all on his own. He's in a group all of his own, creator, not the creature. And yet, out of love for us, he stepped into our group, didn't he? He became a man. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, who is eternal, omnipotent, he stepped out of eternity into time. He said, a body thou hast prepared for me, I come to do thy will, O God. And he stepped into our world, took on our flesh, joined our group, came fully man, out of love for us. He is worthy of a life lived for him. And those that do receive a blessing on top of the rewards. Verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. You know, Adam and Eve, they were barred from the tree of life by an angel with a flaming sword because of their sin. But if you obey God's command to repent of your sins and place your trust in Christ, no flaming sword, no angel with a flaming sword awaits you at the pearly gates. You're granted access and access to what's inside the tree of life. You know, those that repent of their sins and place their trust in Christ are, Jesus said, you know, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Not someday have life, but presently possess life and that more abundantly. So we are granted eternal life the moment we get saved, life on a different level. You know, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. He begins that process of sanctification, making us more like Christ, right? Those that do his commandments. Blessed are they. They have access. They have the right. That person is granted access to this beautiful forever home and the eternal life that the tree of life brings. A forever righteousness that leads to a perfectly safe city for all. On the other hand, those who refuse to repent, they are kept out. Verse 15. For without, outside and away from, It's not that they're just outside the city. They are nowhere near the city. We already know where they are. We've studied that in chapter 21, 20. For without are dogs. What's God got against dogs? This word was used back then for the herds of dogs that had no owner, no home, which would prowl about eastern cities. Um, They would quarrel amongst themselves and see them fighting for scraps of food. They would often attack those who passed by. Jewish people would use this word to refer to those who were morally degenerate, those who refused to submit to God and his ways. And then, of course, during Jesus' day, it basically became the word for a Gentile, Gentile dog, you know. And so this idea here, we've already addressed the other things, so I'm not going to go into them in detail, but kept out of and away from this city are those who refuse to submit to God's ways, those who refuse to repent. What does that look like? Sorcerers, those who, you know, appeal to medicinal means, you know, drugs to alter their state of consciousness, to have a supernatural experience. Whoremongers, those who engage in sexual sin of all kinds. Murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loves and practices a lie. Again, that was all covered in Revelation 
These are all barred access to this beautiful forever home, sealed away in eternal fire and eternal darkness. So revelation is true. Revelation is to be lived out. Revelation reminds us to live out all the other things in God's Word because these are things we've been taught in other places. But lastly, revelation is to be shared. Verse 16. Again, Jesus speaks. He says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. Jesus sent his messenger to share this vision with us. He sent my angel. The word just means my messenger. He sent someone to communicate things to John, but not just to John. It says to testify, to provide information about an event. It says unto you. The word you here is plural. And so it's for all of us. It's not just for John or the seven churches. It's for every church of every age, including you and me. That's why we're studying Revelation. Because he had a message for us that we need to know. He had information for us we need to understand. And why is it important that we understand it? Because of who he is and what his mission was. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The root and the offspring of David, is a, these are messianic terms. Isaiah 11.1 and Isaiah 11.10, these two phrases are found in those two verses. They are the messianic terms that were used to describe the one that God promised would come. The Messiah, it's his mission. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord does not want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to everlasting life. And so the one who created David, the one who also descended from David, that's the root and the offspring. He created David, but he also descended from David. He is God from all eternity past, but he is also God in the flesh, Jesus the Messiah. He is also the bright and the morning star. The morning star is uh, the star that announces dawn's soon arrival. When Jesus returns to rapture his church, it will be an announcement that the sun is coming. The sun of righteousness is coming in burning fury to judge the world in righteousness. And so, the message is really simple. Fulfill the mission. Fulfill the mission. Invite others to become part of the team that gets rescued and isn't judged. Verse 17 Now, many believe that verses 17 through the beginning of verse 20 are also the words of Jesus. I wholeheartedly agree with that. They may not be read in your Bible, but I do believe that this is Jesus still speaking. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus says the Spirit is inviting all to come. The Spirit, the one who convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment, he says, leave your own righteousness behind. Come to the Lord for mercy and grace. Repent and be saved. And not only the Holy Spirit, but the bride says, come. The church. The church invites all those who are listening to these words, says, come, come. Leave your unrighteousness behind. Repent and come to the Lord for mercy and grace. 
And then maybe you're saying, oh, well, then that's not me because these are the Spirit and the bride in heaven already. No, let him that hears say, come. So if you've been coming to Revelation at all, you're now responsible. You've heard, right? Well, it's a command. Let him that hears. It's not, hey, if you find a good moment or you really like your coworker, invite him to church or invite him to Christ. No. If you've heard this prophecy, you are now have marching orders from your king. And those marching orders are to invite others to come. To come. Leave your own righteousness behind. Repent. Come to the Lord for mercy and grace. You say, well, who qualifies for the invitation? Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It's really simple. Are you thirsty? Do you recognize your need to be rescued? Do you want to repent? Do you want to place your trust in Christ? Yes, then come. Come. Salvation isn't complicated. It is open to whoever will repent and trust in the Lord Jesus. Not a single person will be in hell because God wasn't willing to rescue them. It will be because they were not willing to repent and come. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. There are heavy warnings to those who would warp the message of Revelation. And I refuse to do that. Not for any theological system or anything else. The scriptures are the scriptures. Speak what they speak. Are you thirsty? Come. You're invited. Do you want to come? Leave your old life behind? Repent of your sins? Put your faith in Christ? You want the water of life that God offers freely? Then you're invited. Come. Now, Part of that unwillingness to repent is a rejection of the truths of Revelation. And so in verse 18 and 19, the Lord here gives a heavy warning to those who would reject its truths. For I testify, verse 18, unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. I, I don't want that, certainly. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. I don't want that either. That's why we teach Revelation just as it is. We don't manipulate it. We don't mess with it. We don't try to water down the parts where the Lord just says, come if you're thirsty. We don't try to water down the parts or say, if you take the mark of the beast, you're done. the gracious parts, and the scary parts. We speak them as they are because that's how God intends us to understand them. The book of Revelation, the word add unto here, it means to force upon. You're not to force upon the words of this prophecy, whatever you want it to say. You're not to take away from the words of this prophecy. It means to take away something from its normal location. There are things that the Lord has said here that make perfect sense. They don't need to be manipulated. They don't need to be, you know, maneuvered to fit into a theological system. They just need to be taught. They just need to be said. They just need to be obeyed. The book of Revelation is to be submitted to, not manipulated for my own purposes. Because the book of Revelation's purpose is to reveal Jesus 
in a greater way. It's to bring more people to him. And so because of that, the Lord has heavy words for anyone who will mess with that. You want to force upon it what you want it to say? You want to take away from it? Say, no, 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 there's no, there's no kingdom coming. You know, there's no heaven coming. This is heaven, you know, or this is your hell, like uh, Rob Bell says in his book, you know, Love Wins. Sorry, I, I dare not say such things. Jesus says otherwise, and he says, don't mess with my words. Verse 20, he which testifies these things says, that's the Lord, surely I come quickly. In other words, Jesus is saying everything the Calvary Chapel Orlando has studied for the last 14 months is going to happen. Bank on it. Bank on it. And because of that, now is the time to choose. Because when he comes, it will be sudden. There will be no second chances. And to that, John says, amen. It's true. It's really true, guys. And John says, even so, come Lord Jesus. John longs for it to happen even though it will mean judgment comes to the earth. He knows the truth that the only way out of this mess is for Jesus to return. And so he says, even though this is what the world has to go through to get there, he says, come, Lord Jesus. That's what I want above all else. And we should too. Now, with the vision completed, John adds one final line under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here to this letter, and it comes from his heart. And it's a very gracious goodbye. In verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It is true. Jesus' grace, it means his goodwill, his favor, his kindness towards us. Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants to forgive. He wants to bless. And that's the message that John wants to leave us with, which is absolutely astounding to me when we consider the fact that if you're a recipient of this letter, when you start this letter, it's not usually good news for most. Like, unless you're from the church at Smyrna or Philadelphia. I mean, think about it. Think if you're an Ephesian Christian, you know, and it's like, hey, we got a letter from Pastor John. Pa- Pastor John in exile in Patmos? Yeah, Pastor John, this is awesome. We miss Pastor John. What does he have to say? You've left your first love. He's <laughs> talking about Bob, right? <laughs> I mean, that's heavy. If, and if you don't repent, I'm out. Whoa, it doesn't sound like good news. How about if you're Jezebel and Thyatira, you know? You just got done, you know, leading worship, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you got all of a sudden coming in here, you you got, you know, hey, we got a letter from Pastor John, we're going to read. You get called out by name that you're going to be thrown into great tribulation unless you repent. And all those who follow you, because you're a false teacher. That's a different kind of Sunday morning service, don't you think? What if you're about 
you're the church at Laodicea. You come in, everything looks nice and wonderful like it normally does at Laodicea. And Jesus says, you make me sick. When you read through this, I mean, you, get, you just get to that part, the part about you, you're already like, man, this is bad news. And then you, you get through all the judgment and punishment that's going to come upon the earth as well. It'd be very easy to lose sight of the grace of God. And so to these struggling Christians who receive this letter and are going to read about all the crazy things that are coming in the future, get challenged in all the areas where they need to grow, John leaves them with grace. Revelation is a book that reveals Jesus in all of his glory. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. But in all that glory, he is still gracious towards us. He still wants the best for us. And John says, amen, that is the truth. That is the truth. He is for us. He's not against us. When he, he convicts us, when he rebukes us, it's for our good. You know, when, when the Lord has been speaking things to you through the book of Revelation, it's not to beat you over that head so you leave and go, I'm a bad Christian. It's supposed to. So you go, hey, I, he loves me enough to get my attention. He doesn't want to leave me where I am. He wants me to leave this study of the book of Revelation closer to him, different than when I started it. And if that's how we end the book of Revelation for you, then mission's accomplished. The truth is, no one has to go through this time of judgment, but sadly, multitudes will. In Joel chapter 3, verse 14, I'll leave you with this as the worship team comes up. Joel seeing a vision of the end of days. He says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. God who wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh, like Joel prophesied earlier, he doesn't want anyone to perish. Won't you make sure you're not someone who's in that valley? That you make your decision now to follow him? And if you have left that valley and you've made your decision to follow Jesus, won't you glorify him for the grace he's shown to you? And won't you commit to sharing it with others? We're ambassadors, guys. We have a purpose. This is not our home. We've been studying about our forever home for the last however many weeks. That's our home. We have been sent here with a job. We're recruiters to add to the team, to take back ground from the enemy, to rescue those who are perishing, and then to instruct them, disciple them to do the same. We don't have time to waste. And so as we enter into this time of remembering the love that Jesus has for us, the Lord's Supper, we remember the sacrifice he made for us. He calls us to follow him in the same way, to lay down our eyes, to share our faith, to be salt and light, to share the message of revelation that the king is coming. Won't you be his loyal subject? Won't you turn from your rebellion and follow him? He's a good king. He takes care of me. He loves me. And he's faithful. You can trust him. 
And like everything else out there, you can trust him. And so, Lord, we give this time to you now. Lord, to remember the great love you have for us, the great sacrifice you paid for us. And Lord, to recommit ourselves to that which you've called us to do, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you, to do the same, to shine as lights for you, to be salt and light, to preach the gospel and make disciples. And so we give this time of song to remember you and to recommit ourselves to that in Jesus' name, amen.